I forgot to introduce at the very beginning um, our brand new fresh baby deacon at our parish. So, welcome. I really don't know if we should call you baby deacon. Um, it works for a baby priest because I'm younger, but he has too much gray hair. I don't know if you've heard of the band called Mumford and Sons. They have a song called Awake My Soul. I have a very strong theological statement within that. In these bodies we will live. In these bodies we will die. And where you invest your love, you invest your life. And in today's gospel, Jesus Christ tells us that where you invest your life, you invest your eternity. You know, a woman came up to me, we talked about Padre Pio last week, right? And he could see souls in purgatory. He was visited many times from angels and saints, but he could also see demons and souls in hell. So this woman came to him and said she wanted to know what had happened to her husband because he had died about a year before. And Padre Pio wouldn't respond to her, but she kept pressing and pressing. And finally, his face was dropped and he said, I'm sorry, but your, your father's lost. He didn't make it to heaven. And she, she asked him why, how could that be? And she said, well, he committed adultery and he never repented of it. He never took it to confession. But the woman who brought this story to me, she said, well, isn't that unmerciful? I said, no, that's, that's the drama of human freedom. Pope Francis has recently condemned Gnosticism. He said it's one of the biggest her heresies in our time again. And one of the principal components of Gnosticism is the separation between body and soul, saying that they're not connected. So what I do with my body doesn't affect my soul. In other words, I can be a Christian and still sin with my body, and it's okay. There's no effects there. It's ultimately a separation of faith and morality. A separation that is graphically refuted by Christ's own words today in the Gospel. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than with two hands to go into Gehenna, into the unquenchable fire. There can be no separation between our faith and our morality, what we believe and how we live. In these bodies we will live, in these bodies we will die. And where you invest your love, you invest your life. And where you invest your life, you invest your eternity. You know, the mystics always had a way of conceptualizing life on earth. And they always used pretty much the same image. It's moving up a mountain. It's a journey going towards the top of a mountain. And it's difficult. And it's, if you imagine, it's like you're climbing up a mountain. There's a fire that's slowly moving up from the bottom, catching trees one at a time. And you might be tired and dirty and hungry. Do you want to stop along the way? But we must keep moving forward if we're going to get to a safe place. You know, that image reminded me of Aaron Ralston. He was a man who was hiking in the mountains 15 years ago in 2003, and he was all by himself. And at one point, a boulder fell on him, fell on his arm. 
and he was trapped there. Five days, he was sitting there waiting with a boulder on top of his arm. 127 hours. And the whole time he's thinking about his life and the crucial decision that he has to come to now. To amputate his arm or to stay there and perish. To endure that great sacrifice and suffering in the present so that he can save his life. It's a vivid image, but what Aaron faced on a physical level, we as human beings face on a spiritual and a moral level many times in our life. We have the choice to remain stuck where we are or to make the necessary sacrifices so that we can keep moving up the mountain towards a better future, towards salvation. Because life is a journey. And the most important thing in life is that we keep moving forward. The constant temptation, because we're tired, is to find a place and rest and just stay. But it's so contrary to what it means to be a human being. We must always ask ourselves, what do I need to let go of so that I can keep moving forward towards a better future? What's one thing I can give up so I can be a better spouse, a better husband or wife, a better student, or a better Catholic at this time in my life? If you ask yourself that question, you'll get the answer immediately. I guarantee some of you are thinking about it right now. It's just it comes there. It's the hardest question to ask. It's the easiest answer to receive. Because you already know what it is. It's just the doing it that is tough. It's like the, I thought about the quote on um, Sen of a Woman, Al Pacino. You know, so I've come to the crossroads of my life. And every time I knew what the right path was, without exception, I knew. But I never took it. You know why? It was too hard. I mean, writing this homily, you guys have to listen to me for 15 minutes. I've been milling over this for an entire week. How many times do you think the question has had to come to me, what do I need to sacrifice at this point in my life to be a better priest? It took me five seconds to realize that answer. But I've been wrestling with God the entire week to say yes. It's like at this point, thank God it wasn't coffee. You know, it's like, <laughs> I would need a vision of like Jesus Christ descending from heaven to ask me to give up coffee. And I might do it, you know, so he knows what we can take. But that's why the second reading is such a strong condemnation against riches. It's not just about money. So seldom it's actually about money. It's about those things we've become so attached to that they're keeping us from becoming rich in who we could be in the future. That's what riches do. They make us stop. They trap us. That's why the poor of heart, the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor of heart. Those who never get comfortable are always asking the question, how can I be better? What can I do? And it's little things in your life, like gauge how much TV you watch in a day. Cut it in half. Read books. Talk to your family. Go out and do things. You know, if, I'm, if I drink alcohol, gauge how much it is. And then take it down a little bit. 
resentment, unforgiveness in our life, we can live with our arm stuck under a boulder of resentment for our entire life and never move forward. You know, but if you really want to be honest about it and vulnerable about it, ask your spouse, what's one thing I can do to make your life a little easier? To make our marriage a little bit better? Ask your children, fathers especially, what's one thing that you want from me as a father that you're not getting right now? It's a question we always have to be open to ask ourselves. How can I go forward? How can I be better? And that's why we come to Mass every single week. It should hurt just a little bit every single time we come here because it's a conscious exam to find out what am I holding on to that's keeping me from a better future, from becoming that person I know I could be if I make the necessary sacrifice. And that's why the greatest image of salvation is walking from that pew to this altar. That's encapsulated what entire life is on this earth. It's walking away from the world, those doors behind us, towards the altar of sacrifice, where Christ is. And constantly we must ask ourselves, what do I have to leave behind? What do I have to let go of so that my hands are free to receive Jesus Christ? And this is the most beautiful thing about Christ, is He never asks us to sacrifice anything without giving us something in return. That's the only reason God tells us to let go. So He can give us something better, something more. In these bodies, we will live. In these bodies, we will die. And where you invest your love, you invest your life. We let go of body, uh, we let go of sin in our body so that we're free to receive into our body the very body of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. And when you invest your love in that, you're investing your life in eternity. I'll end with a quick story. There was once a little girl, she had you know, a plastic necklace, and she just loved it. She carried it everywhere. She never took it off, no matter what she was doing. One time her father said to her, and he picked her up into his arms, he was sitting in the chair, and he hugged her and he said, you know how much I love you, right? Do you trust me? Yeah. Can you give me your necklace? Her face just went like white. She just couldn't even say anything. She jumped off his lap and ran away. So the father left it. But every once in a while, he would ask her again. He'd pick her up and he'd kiss her and he'd say, you know how much I love you, right? Can you give me your necklace? And she'd always refuse. But one time she got so mad and she said, if you really loved me, you wouldn't ask me to give you this necklace. So he just he let it go. But one time he was sitting in a chair and the little girl walked in the room and she had tears streaming down her face. She couldn't barely even look up at him, but she holds out her arm, opens her hand, and there's the necklace in her hands and she's crying and she says, you can have it, Daddy. The father is so happy. He picks her up and he receives the gift and he puts her on the chair and he runs in the other room and he comes back and he takes her in his arms and he puts a little black box into her hand. 
and she opens it. And inside that box is a necklace just like the one that she had, but instead of being made of plastic, it's made of diamonds. Father says to her, I've been waiting so long to give this to you. But I had to wait until you were willing to give up what is fake before I could give you what is real. What are you holding on to that is holding you back? Put it on the altar. Give it to your Father. And He will give you in return the deepest desire of your heart. Jesus Christ in the flesh.